You're listening to the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert. And I am riding solo tonight as far as the hosting goes. My my other two are uh, out, we'll call it. Um, they had some things going on. So uh, tonight I am joined by Chris Creed. Chris, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Um, tell, me, tell me a little bit, what is your exact position within Afflictor? Uh, I am their director of sales, um, marketing, uh, basically wear a lot of hats, but that's my official title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. And so let's talk a little bit before we get into the broadhead side of things. I want you to tell me a little bit about your hunting career, how, when you got started in hunting, uh, you know, maybe, maybe talk about your favorite game you like to hunt. And then of course, um, you know, what led into this career? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm one of those fortunate people that grew up in a hunting family. So by, you know, by five, I had a 22 and a 410 and I was accompanying my dad and grandpa on every rabbit hunt, squirrel hunt, crow hunt, you name it. Um, my grandfather came through the depression and they fed their family through that by self-sustaining hunting and fishing. And he didn't have any other interests. He was a pastor and all he wanted to do was preach, hunt and fish. And I was his grandson. I was, uh, we lived in this, we shared a home together. He lived with uh, my parents and I, and boy, I just had a great childhood because that's all we ever did. I mean, <laughs> you know, he'd, we'd pack a lunch and he'd roll up some fishing line and, and grab a hook and we'd go cut a stick and make our own fishing pool, catch creek chubs and cook them right there on the bank and have a great time. So I was, I was very fortunate to start at a young age and uh, that just carried all the way through. And I, I married a wonderful woman who hunts and fishes and so does all of her family. And it just, uh, just helped me to continue all of that. And plus her and I are self-sustaining about 80%. So we really depend on everything that we're hunting and foraging and catching. Uh, it's, it's just, just the way we are, but I, my career didn't start out that way. I, I started in the medical field. Um, I wanted to start in the hunting industry right out of high school, of course, but back then I'm 51 years old, you know, there was, what was there to do besides be a game warden? You know, sure. it really wasn't anything going on. So yep. I got uh, my formal education in the medical field. And as I was doing that and things started to develop in the hunting industry with rep groups and product groups, I just kind of molded myself into that. And this is over 20 years ago. I got to, you know, start as a rep and, and then uh, my family in West Virginia bought a bow company. So I was able to really get myself injected there. Um, and then, so from there, I eventually got real deep and got a partner and we developed our own business consulting for the hunting industry, had our own product lines and, uh, just helping other companies do whatever, whether that was write a patent or, you know, develop their company or their product, find manufacturing, get it into Bass Pro at that time, whatever it was. Um, that's what I did. And eventually I was working at ATA with another company and they, ran into the owner of Afflictor Broadheads who was looking for some help. And so he came by the table and he handed me one of these Afflictor K2 hybrids. And I looked at it and I said, wow, that's, that's a nice broadhead. I said, but it's a mechanical. I'm not interested. I'm a fixed blade guy. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. And he's no like, really, I heard you could help me. Would you, would you please just, you know, give him a try. And I said, I'm a fixed blade guy. I'm sorry. I've had too many issues with mechanical broadheads. I just, I can't do it. And he came back two or three times and finally we had agreed that he would ship me some. So he sent me 10 broadheads and uh, I put them aside for about a month. I didn't really, really care about them. <laughs> <laughs> so 
finally I I decided, well, I'll test them, I'm, but I'm going to be a jerk about it. So I got graph paper, I got a micrometer, I got the scale, I'm taking them apart, I'm measuring, I'm just being a jerk because at that time I really did not like mechanical broadheads. Anything that moved to me was off the table because sure. I had been with some TV shows, some other broadhead companies before that and really had some bad experiences. And so I took them in the backyard. I couldn't find anything wrong with them on the table. So I put them back together, went in the backyard and I started shooting them and instantly fell in love with this rear deploying broadhead that was drive key activated. And it was out penetrating every other broadhead I had, even out of my recurve. And the more I tried to hate them, I mean, I really did try to hate them. I was shooting them through stuff. You shouldn't shoot it through. I was shooting them at 80 yards, everything I can do. And I just kept falling in love with them enough to the point where I called the owner, Keith, and I said, hey, uh, I'm willing to dump everything I'm doing and uh, come work for you. And that's wow. how it started. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's how it started. It's interesting you mentioned um, not really having a place in the industry because there really wasn't an industry yet right. uh, out of high school. And it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, back then small game was where it was at. Basically there was, there still wasn't a lot of deer, a lot of Turkey, a lot of the Western big game was still on the rise uh, ducks, same thing. Mm -hmm. And through conservation now we, we have like a, a huge industry. What, what do you think our industry is worth? Is it in the billions? Yeah, definitely in the billions. I mean, yeah. All because of millions. conservation. So that's mm -hmm. kind of cool. Um, you mentioned that you forage a little bit. A lot of bit. Like I was just, we were just taking inventory here tonight and I've already canned 12 cases worth of jars of anything you can imagine. And right now I'm in Northeast Ohio. Uh, the hen of the woods mushrooms are out and we are picking and canning so i'll probably put you know 80 pounds of mushrooms oh, wow um and we pressure can a lot we pressure can venison fish you name it and mushrooms are the same way and so i just do them in a brine where salt brine where it's just like you've got mushrooms at the store Which and so that's, that's what we do <laughs> <laughs> rick and i are very into cooking and all that as well so oh, awesome um, that's I know you've got to be into cooking if you're doing all this. Oh, so. yeah. Do you, yeah. Do, you smoke? do I? Yes. I got two big smokers out there and we do everything. And um, I like to smoke things like bear. It's one of my favorite things to smoke. And of course, venison. Right now, I'm trying to find a, a, a good recipe for um, venison that is corned, like corned beef. But I, and I've tried a couple and they're just not that great. So I'm still playing with that. I'll let you know okay. if I get it right. <laughs> All right. Um, as far as fishing goes, do you have any kind of favorite fish that you like to target at all? Yeah, my first love is actually fishing. I was a I was a bass tournament guy um, for a long time, and uh, but I uh, I don't know if I could pick a favorite fish. I just I love everything. I love to ice fish here, but again, we're we fish for food. And a good okay. perch or bluegill meal is great for us. We have Lake Erie walleye here. It's awesome. Um, I would say probably my favorite freshwater fish just to catch are smallmouth. I probably target a lot of those. I guide bear hunts in Canada as well. And all that great pike and walleye fishing up there, I tend to play with the smallmouth most of the time. So you guide up there. Is this on, do they have public that you do or is it on a private it's a private, a friend of mine owns a camp up there and I just go to assist and I've been guiding, um, helping him run his bear camp for a long time. So, gotcha. yeah. How does that work? Is that like a baited thing or do you do hounds? Yeah, yep. okay. it's all on baits. Yeah. We have certain sets. He's got a bear management area up there. That's, you know, miles and miles and miles. And we just run a small number of baits, like about 50 baits and, have wow. a small number of hunters every year in the spring and fall. It just works out really good. Man, that's one thing I definitely want to do someday is is kill a bear. Well, not not just someday, because um, I've heard they're delicious. Uh, I think it's better than venison. Really? I do. I love it. We I'm, love I'm it. convinced all the people that say, you know, pick a wild game meat is bad. 
just didn't understand how to cut it up and prepare it. Agreed. I've heard antelope's bad. I've heard bear is bad from people. And then you turn around and you talk to people who sound like they at least know what they're doing in the kitchen and behind a knife. And they love all of it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I think it's, you know, a big difference on what they're eating too. I, I would shy away from a bear that lives at the dump, but, and, Sure. One that's eating blueberries and hazelnuts instead, you know. But I've, I've heard when you when you get them when they're in the blueberries, that can be oh, ridiculous. The meat is sweet, and and mm-hmm. even their their intestines and tongue and teeth are stained blue when they're eating blueberries. Everything it's really cool. So they're when really you, when just, you gut them, the whole inside's blue. Everything it's really neat. Wow! So they're just pounding the hell out of them. <clears throat> pounds and pounds and pounds a day they eat. That's yep. impressive. Wow. It is. It's pretty cool. Man. Yeah, I'm a I'm a smallie guy as well. Um, that's my I would have to say probably my favorite simply because I can target those at least in the creeks here. We don't have Lake Erie. Um, but one thing I do enjoy though, when I get down to Lake Cumberland, um, other than the smallmouth, is the striper fishing. Oh yes. Yeah. And, and I don't do the guided thing, won't knock it. But near the surface of the water. Oh yeah. Sir down. <laughs> yeah, there's it's not a- much more fun than a striper. I mean, they gotta be pound for pound. They're probably one of the hardest fighting freshwater fish with that big old tail and broad body. Yeah. They're so violent when they hit. I was fortunate to catch my first striper, which was 30 inches long. It's not huge, but it's not little. Uh out of a kayak at night. Oh my and- that was that was a special experience. Um, that thing took me for a ride. That's awesome. I bet. So not only do you shoot big public land bucks out of your kayak, but you also <laughs> catch big fish. I, I got a kayak in 2016, <laughs> and I have not looked back. Those things are fun, man. Yeah. They really are a blast. Um, they are. That we, we catch trout down there and, and – uh, you know, the striper. And then of course it's funny. You go to those lakes where the smallmouth and the stripe, everything else is big. It's like St. Clair. Nobody cares about the largemouth. And right. you can go into every single little nook and cranny and pop largemouth. No problem. Mm-hmm. It's cool. But yeah. yeah, fishing from the yaks is fun. I'm really, really starting to enjoy the hunting from them though. Yeah. And That's the- awesome. That's a blast. Have you ever done it? I have. I have. And, and turkey are my favorite animal to pursue personally. And most, mostly because, well, I'm a turkey freak. I mean, if you see any of the YouTube stuff on, on Afflictor, you'll see that I've done some really crazy dissection anatomy stuff on turkeys. Um, I'm just, because of my medical background, I tend to drag that into all of our educational stuff that we do. Absolutely. So whether it's turkey dissection or deer dissection, we just did a really good one on EHD. But um, I, I'm a turkey nut, and there's nothing more fun than to chase them down with the kayak, hear them gobble, try to get ahead of them, beach the kayak, run up on the bank. You know, I just, I love it. Do you do public? Yeah. So I'm fortunate here, just 20 minutes up the road, it's just over 5,000 acres of public, and it's all centered around a stream. and it's all navigable now granted i have to do a lot of you know portaging around fallen trees and stuff but it's really it's a great area that sounds like a dream like come on come on up come on up you're you're officially invited oh man i will take you up so (laughs) turkeys are hands down my favorite as well i think the only thing that could ever compare because they talk as well is an elk or a stag Mm -hmm. um i but Elk are very tough. Um, you know, if you're if you're hunting public land, that's a that is a very tough feat to pull off. Um, mm-hmm. Turkeys are a little more. We're a little more target rich. Yes, uh, and I don't have to drive, you know, twenty three hours mm-hmm. to chase a turkey. So uh, right, they're I, a little cheaper too. What's that? <laughs> they're a little cheaper to hunt. Too. They're slightly cheaper. <laughs> uh, I have a buddy. We. We run all over the place in Ohio and Kentucky and chase those birds. He's a very, very good caller. 
uh, you'll see him on the page and stuff. He's he's extremely talented with a mouth call. Oh, um, it, we have so much fun turkey hunting together, and that's hands down my favorite. That was the first thing that I really got to be serious about, and it was the first thing I was successful at when it came to big game. It took me years to get my first deer. First year out, I killed a turkey, and ever since then, ever since I heard my first gobble, I was just in love. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing, absolutely. Nothing like so this is, this is good to hear. Um, so as far as your um, your current setup with archery hunting. Can you go into that a little bit as far as like your draw length, your arrow weight, uh, and which broadhead you choose and why? Mm. Boy, that's a that's a long conversation because I'm one of those guys that um, I start my season with a long bow and recurve, and then I move to my compound, and then the second that I have too many clothes on to pull anything back, I go right to the crossbow. Um, All right. Cause I don't, I don't care. I'm not one of those guys that cares about the weapon of choice. If it's We're legal and it does the job, let's let it fly. Let's all be friends. Cause eventually we're all going to be fighting the same battles. We better be unified on something. So, yes. um, so for my recurve, uh, and longbow setup, I've shoot a long arrow, 30 inches, super heavy, 700 grains. And oddly enough, I shoot our biggest hybrid broadhead, our K2 hybrid on my trad setup because really? it's, a, it's a fixed bladed entrance. So when the drive key is activated, which is before the broadhead even gets into the animal all the way, the blades are locked and, and they're a fixed blade. They're open. So I don't lose any momentum using the hybrid broadhead. So I'm set up that way and I shoot light. I mean, I'm shooting 52 pounds and this year I got a set of limbs. I'm going to shoot 40 pounds and just see how some of our broadheads do early season uh, oh with God. a 40 pound setup and see, see what I can make happen. You might and, be the uh, only person I've ever heard of shooting, um, you know, a mechanical at, out of a trance. Wow. Sure. We have a couple. I mean, if you look through our social, you'll see there's a couple guys. There's one guy in Alaska that hunts his caribou that way. He's, he uses our 150 grain uh, mechanical hybrid, the K2 mini, and he loves it. He says it's great. Wow. But, um, and then on my compound, you know, I'm shooting 65 pounds, 28 and a half inches and uh, about 13% FOC. And my arrow weight right now is probably about 465. So it's nothing crazy there. And I toggle back and forth on my compound for whatever I feel like. I am blessed to be able to pick my broadhead for the day, sure. right? So I'll toggle from the hybrid to the fixed all the time but when <clears> i get <throat> to the crossbows uh i'm shooting that k2 fixed hands down that is one of the most amazing broadheads i've ever had the pleasure of messing around with it's just special and so i really have a good time with that okay so certain reason why you choose that out of the crossbow well we don't really recommend our hybrids out of the crossbows okay. <laughs> Wonderful. With all the high-speed craziness, you know, there's so much force being applied to a bolt, and that energy just goes right to the broadhead. And so why take any risk? And plus, if you get a pass-through with the hybrid, our blades are thick and heavy, but that's that's a lot on a crossbow bolt for a, for a blade to withstand on a pass-through. Sure. The fixed is 59,000 <laughs> thick. It leaves a 20-gauge slug hole. It's super tough. And super accurate so it's a, it's my go-to matter of fact all the raven guys and the new uh, 505s from 10 point uh, all those high speed guys love that k2 fixed okay because it's hard to get a fixed blade to fly out of a high speed crossbow and that one seems to seems to be very accurate for everybody all right yeah i can i can relate there that's you start getting into the high speeds and it's tough to control things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm fortunate to be a little guy with 27 and a half inch draw. So I've never had that problem 
with speed. <laughs> but I do enjoy, um, I do enjoy the uh, fixed heads a little. But the man, I'm just a believer in those big holes. The uh, they're just, it's crazy. So the other day, um, you know, I'm I'm trying like heck to make a decision. This is two days before opening day. This is Thursday. I'm like, do I go with that K too many or do I shoot the one and three quarter inch, you know, the K2? Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? Because if I have to take like a 60 yard shot or something, you know, I want that a little. And I know it's splitting hairs, but um, so I was like, well, what are the odds you're going to take a really far shot? Let's just go with that big hole, <laughs> you know, let let go and let God. So, so <laughs> I went with the, the K2 hybrid, the, the big one. And, um, dude, I, don't, I haven't got to tell you about that yet. Have I? No, no, I'm dying. I'm dying. I've been dying. <laughs> dude, this is ridiculous. So I started shooting hybrid heads last year, my body. Oh, sorry. Two years ago, but I had bow issues the year before 2020 i had i didn't know it i shot a Botech sr6 um and i had a bad bearing and i didn't know it and i could not get i couldn't get a freaking rage i couldn't get anything to fly out of this thing and i'm like i i mean i'm i lost the world championship by an arrow like i'm not terrible at archery and so I'm like, do I just suck now or what? <laughs> this has to be me. And then finally we discovered that. And so I just got rid of that bow. I got, I'm shooting a PSE Evoke 35 now. And, you know, it's it's a completely different bow, uh, way less let off, which I love. Um, and then, you know, longer axle to axle. So I, I was shooting. Uh, he, he tried to get me to use, uh, what was it? The, the rage extreme. And then, um, I didn't like those. I, I think if you're like a millionaire or you work for them and you get all the free heads you want, cool. But to me, what annoys me the most about probably 99% of companies out there is their practice head either doesn't exist or it sucks. It's nothing like the head, uh, which we're going to get into that. (laughs) Um, so I didn't like those because I don't want to have to keep buying O-rings over and over and the blades stick way out and you start shooting those over and over again. And I, I shoot a lot. I can't, my mind will not let me not go practice before I go hunting. If I walk out the door and I accidentally slap the, the door or something with my bow, we'll put everything in my truck and then we go shoot the bow a couple times at 20, <laughs> right. 60 and just to make sure I'm right. In, so that's like the target guy in me or whatever. So um, 2021 rolls around and I tried out the Bloodsport Gravedigger. I was really impressed by it. Um, it worked really well. I shot three deer, including my buck. Uh, the longest death I had was probably about a minute. Um, and the other two were both exactly, I want to say both were 22 seconds my buck went 27 yards and tipped over. And and I always shot fixed blades basically prior to 2020 for the most part. And I had never, ever shot a buck and been able to watch it drop. I'd had it happen a couple of times with does and fawns, but never a, never a, a good buck. Um, so when that buck, you'll see in the video, um, when the buck starts to fall over, I lost my mind. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" And I just couldn't quit saying, "Oh my god!" I was like, "This is what everyone feels like." So I love it. I I liked those heads. The one problem I had is that they, uh, you know, I guess you know, yours are rear deploy, so these would be like a front deploy or whatever, where they kind of fold over and backward. And there's a set screw. You probably already know all this, but there's a set screw in there that holds the blades closed for you so you can adjust the tightness so you can shoot you know crossbow or you know whatever but at the end of the day when those things open up you're risking bending a blade you're you're risking a failure happening later on Mm -hmm. so um and that set screw 
can wear down on you. And then now you basically don't have a good broadhead at all. Um, it's worthless to me. So I was nervous, though, switching because those had worked. I liked sure. them. And so I'm freaking out. And I, as soon as I open the package, I look at that little little plastic pin. <laughs> yeah. That hole, and I just, I could have cried. I'm like, freaking finally, man. Finally, somebody did it. Because you look at all these different companies. And, and another company that I think does that same thing is Sever. My buddy shoots Sever. And I was really impressed by that. So I, when I saw that, I was like, thank God. Because that's when you're using O-rings and keep having to replace those and fumble to get them over the blades. Uh, that's that's too much fiddle factor and chances of cutting yourself. And then on top of that, again, you're just messing with too much and you know the blades have a chance to open. So that's why I hated those rage, as I said. The way that you're able to just pop that pin in, go practice. And I I just use the same head because I know sure. it's going to dull it down. So I just leave it in there and the rest, they've got their O-rings in position, ready to go. When mm -hmm. we're done, we screw that bad baby on and we go hunt. And right. it's, it's great. And so far I've shot two animals. Uh, I spot and stalked a coyote out in Nebraska. Those little idiots are everywhere. Oh, um, and it's so annoying. I saw four on one water tank that I sat wow. in one evening. Wow. Um, Walking in in the middle of the hundred degree weather, there were two at like four p.m. I'm thinking, what are you? What are you doing? What they were getting a drink? I'm not used to that. <laughs> right, right. We have green things here that they eat and get water from, so they can wait till the evening. Not so much out there. It's dry. But uh, shot the coyote at about fifteen yards. I think it did a somersault and died in about 20 seconds. Mm. And that was a straight on shot, which is my favorite. If you can make it work, um, which is, you know, that's a, that's a tough shot that I don't recommend to everybody. Um, but when you, if, if you can pull that one off, you're pretty much going to hit everything and it is nice. Yes. Um, but I shot that buck the other day at eight yards. I aimed about as far forward as you could aim and that ridge on the scapula that separates the two muscles. Yes. I clipped it and I lost a lot of penetration because of that. I, I know that. Um, and, and maybe I still don't pass through. I don't know. You know, I don't know the actual truth behind what would have happened because I also know that eight yards is pretty close and we're not, we're probably almost stabilized at that point like mm -hmm. I'd, I'd really prefer you know 12 13 14 15 yard you know right right let me get stabilized so <laughs> i shot him really far forward in the shoulder he was quartered to pretty hard and he exploded off and i noticed you know and this is all in like nanoseconds that i'm having these things pass through my brain but he started to slow down immediately after like 10 yards. So I'm trying to rip another arrow out because I know I'm going to get another shot and get another arrow in him. You know, I didn't, I've got a good amount of arrows sticking out. Uh, probably <laughs> half of my arrows sticking out of the wow. deer. Yeah. So I'm trying to get another arrow and I look over to check where the deer was before I make an aggressive move to get the quiver out of my pack. I look over to check him. And he just tips over. Like, oh, he 32 yards and, wow. and took a, maybe took probably 10 deep breaths and then nothing. Awesome. So that was, that made me feel really good because that yeah. <laughs> next deer, while not really big, I had, I had three deer that were significantly bigger than him by 15 to 20 inches uh, rack wise um, that were on that same piece of public. Two of those animals came down after I shot him. So, uh. <laughs> but um, I told myself though, that, 
you know, he's a mature buck. I, I firmly believe that was the target buck I was after last year. And he either got injured, sick, is older than I thought. I, I can't explain it. But everything about that deer pretty much looks the same. Um, huh. He's just smaller. And when I when I filmed him uh, out in the ag fields during the summer when he's in velvet, I showed him to my buddies and they're like, my God, that is a donkey. You know, he's not going to score a lot, but I'd shoot him if he walked by, you know, that would be cool to outsmart an animal like that. So when he came by, you know, he was first with two younger bucks and he was using them. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't use them well enough, but I thought, well, opening day, we can punch a tag on a good buck. Let's, let's send it. So yeah, now you can concentrate on Kentucky. Yep, concentrate on Kentucky and then hopefully hopefully put something down there this weekend and then head over to Indiana and then just small game hunt. Uh, we I, I get into bird hunting with my uncle a little bit, pheasants. Uh, and then uh, probably mess around and go down to Cumberland dur- during the winter and catch some trout yeah. and topwater striper. Oh. It's, it's fun when you punch tags, man, because it opens things up. It is. It is. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid-season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham Lightweight Hunting Pants and the Midweight Shelton Hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions in fishing and hunting. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid, and I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. Are you on any good ones up there? No, no. I, the biggest thing I have uh, that I'm watching right now is maybe about a hundred inches. Oh man! <laughs> um, well, and I mean, uh, this is on private. Um, I've seen glassing bigger deer on public this year. So, but here's the, here's one of the problems I have, Chris. So everybody thinks, oh, I would love to work in the hunting and fishing industry. What a great place to be. How awesome. You get to do all this. You, you have all this freedom. And what everybody no, thinks. I'm telling you what, I I have so little time to hunt. That's one of the reasons I love turkeys, because that's our slowest time of year. I can actually go in the morning for a few hours and still get my work day in. This archery season kicks off. Everybody in every state that has waited to the last minute is ordering, has questions, all the social media stuff's pouring in. I I can't get out. <laughs> so like last year, um, it's way late season. I mean, it's rut before I'm even thinking about being able to get outside. Um, um, it's just, it's just busy. So being, you know, when you're working in the hunting industry, oftentimes, depending on your job it's you're busy during hunt season taking care of hunters yeah so so that's my plight at the moment so i'm hoping to be able to get out end of october i'd like to get out here early and and get a dose we can do some video stuff with it for the youtube channel so we'll we'll see you can just cross your fingers for me chris i'd we'll do man we'll have to uh (laughs) you'll have to come down here and play with us sometime we we have some fun do you have many private farms up there to hunt 
Um, I used to have a lot, like over a thousand acres, but, and they oh, were really? all friends of the family. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is those were old relationships. Those people have passed on, sold their stuff. And I just lost a, another 300 acre farm that I had to a, mm -hmm. a gentleman that passed away just two weeks ago. Um, and then the other places that I had that were good have leased out. And so I have, you know, small patch of uh, private and then a lot of public. That's good. Yeah. The public land is good here. You know, you just gotta want to. You just gotta be able to walk or kayak. Yes, you know? dude. That's. It's very interesting to me that you say that the public land is good because I hear from a lot of people that it's not. But I had a buddy, uh, Seth. If you're listening, he went up there this year turkey hunting and raved about it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. So I just wonder, I don't know if a lot of, you know, if it's just very tough to access or what, but um, I haven't heard a whole lot of good things about the public up there. And it seems to me that it would be tough because you don't have as much public up there as we have down there, down here. Mm -hmm. And you're next to PA. Yeah. I mean, you're right there. <laughs> Yeah, and all the PA guys come over to this border area public. And so what I'll say is bow season, you know, if you're willing to walk and adjust yourself, you can do pretty good. Gun season, I don't even want to, you know, I don't want to be out there at all. That's mm -hmm. the that's the game that's frustrating. You know, a little parking lot that only holds two cars, they fit six trucks in. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, it, not only is it crowded, but it's dangerous. So. Uh, but, Man. you know, Ohio's done good with their public land. I mean, there's some archery-only access not far from us that's decent and not wow. overrun with people. And so it's really, you know, the opportunities are there. Um, for me, it's usually just a time issue. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Are you, uh, are you a mobile hunter? Mm, I'm everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, would, it just depends on what I'm doing. I, I love, we do a lot of hunting in PA um, around the Cook Forest area. Um, I, I love the old school woodsmanship, you know, really figuring out an area, using the terrain, finding the oaks, finding the white oaks and, yep. <clears throat> you know, the bedding areas and putting it all together. That's my joy. And then getting real close. Sure. So I, I really like to do that. And, you know, but we, we also have to fill our freezer here. I mean, we need a lot of deer to get through the year. So by December, if the, we don't have a lot of deer, I'll shoot does over corn all day long in Ohio. I don't sure. care. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> doesn't, bother me doesn't bother me a bit, you know. Not um, only that, a lot of people down that, they'll, they'll down when somebody shoots a big buck over corn and to try to explain, and it's always somebody from PA or somewhere where you're not allowed to bait, basically, mm -hmm. and they've never even done it. Right. Show me all. Show me all the deer you've killed over corn. The big deer, not mm -hmm. does. Not does are just different. They're they're meant to stand there and blow and teach yeah. everybody else. <laughs> That's you know, right. The big buck. He checked the corn pile 250 yards away, that's figured right. out you were there, and never came. That's right. Um, so that's not – people are mistaken on how that works, but um, I'm in agreement. And I'll, I almost prefer that simply because if I put corn out, now I have control over a situation, and especially if we've got a gun season, muzzleloader, you know, 350 legend, whatever, sure. I can head or neck shoot a doe at 20 yards. Yeah. And literally not touch a single part of the meat, yeah. Um, which means a right. lot to me. Um, I was trying to explain to my buddy the other day when we were cutting up my buck, because he was the one that killed in Kentucky right before me, like a week and a half prior. Damn. And um, he didn't make a good shot. It was rough. You know, stuff happens. We got the deer. But it's never fun when you gut shoot a deer. After. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's a long day, long night, whatever, sometimes two. Yeah. And then when you're trying to get whatever you can out of the meat, you know, there's, there's a mess and it stinks, but, um, you know, we're, we're breaking down my animal. And I said, look at how clean this is. Now imagine being able to shoot something in the head. Yeah. There's, there's no, you know, cause the shoulder, what that shoulder was freaking wrecked. <laughs> I um, bet. The, the trauma the congealed blood on the inside of that shoulder 
I mean, I I got a good amount on the outside, but the back part and the inside there. <laughs> yeah. No dice. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it's definitely nice to be able to throw a little bit of bait out here in Ohio and shoot you a couple of does. And Absolutely. You're, you're, you're trying, you're actually, you know, you're not the guy, you know, just shooting a four corn and then saying, well, I'm a meat hunter. You're, you're out there to shoot meat. So whatever comes in, sorry. <laughs> That's right. You're getting yeah, put in. That's it. absolutely. And I you know we have a lot of does. I know you guys have a healthy doe population down there too. I mean, they need thinned out. Yep. And yep. uh, you know, a lot of guys don't realize how important that is too. It's always interesting to me, and we'll we'll throw Iowa and Illinois in the trash here because they don't count. Um you go to these places with crazy high deer numbers. And you can almost guarantee that the size of the bucks is going to suffer. Basically, there's there's less food, there, there's less everything, and there's just more stress, more pressure. You name it, um, their their rut lasts forever. Yeah, um, which I don't think is is good for anybody, honestly, uh, hunters or the deer. But um, with that being said, you you go out east in eastern Ohio where the deer density is super low and the bucks are just freaking mm -hmm. huge. Yes. You know, there it's incredible. And when you do, when you're out there early November, mid November, and you have a doe stroll by, get your bow ready, man. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. It's be about five bucks coming down <laughs> the same line here. Shortly. That's it's so true. Incredible. So, do you think that there's any chance in the future that you guys end up making a larger cut diameter cut hybrid head? Uh, that's a good question, Chris. <clears throat> I will say that we're working on a crossbow mechanical that will have a slightly larger cut, but you probably won't see a hybrid from us and certainly not a fixed blade that's over an inch and three quarters because all of our testing inch and three quarters seem to be a magic number for max penetration, maximum cut without hindering penetration. When we were testing things two inches and up our stuff and others, it, unless you have optimized your setup for that, you're not going to do those broadheads justice and they can be great broadheads, but your average guy, average setup, just going to hunt a few times a year is not prepared to shoot a two and a half, a three inch. And now my goodness, stuff that's almost four <laughs> inches, four inch broadhead. Uh, you know, can you imagine a guy that's just got his 370 grain arrow at 60 pounds and he's going <laughs> to shoot a four inch broadhead. I, right. uh, you know, you're just not going to be happy with that. So, I mean, there's a million great broadheads out there, sure. um, but you really have to have an optimal setup. So uh, from us, I think inch and three quarter is like the magic number. And we have a lot of inch and a half options because you're big game hunters, your elk guys, they love that inch and a half cut because they know through that whole elk, I'm blowing through. And in that elk, they want two holes, right? I mean, you, sure. you, you want the best blood trail you can get. Yeah. Um, and so they sacrifice oftentimes a little bit of cut to get into that inch and a half range. Um, so that's why we're just kind of, you know, our testing just showed us that that inch and three quarter was optimal. And so we're just going to kind of hang out there. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. The, the bigger holes are nicer, but I, I will agree. Um, and I, my, I feel like my setup's pretty optimal, but, um, I, I have a 27 and a half inch draw. Like there's no getting around that. Um, and I refuse to go buy a bow that claims that you're going to shoot X, Y, I, it seems like just about every damn bow I've ever bought is right around, you know, for me with a hunting setup or, or I'm sorry, with a target setup which pretty much means it's going to be five grains over spec. So, you know, uh, 70 pounds, um, 27 and a half inch draw. I'm looking at like, I want to say I was 
around that uh, 350. So I was I was writing that 355 spec, um, you know, on on arrow weight, but I'd be right around the 300 mark. And honestly, the chrono was probably set up to lie a little bit, you know, <laughs> if, if I'm if I'm being myself. Um, so I just I don't know. I I think people get too caught up in that a little bit and and a lot of things and they don't focus on form and um you know what they should uh Agreed. you could do a fixed you could do uh you know a hybrid or you know whatever you want but man if you can't hit the animal where you need to you're gonna have a lot of long nights and empty walls and freezers no doubt about it no doubt about it. Accuracy is key above all. Uh, yep. You know, if you don't hit them right, you're not going to find them no matter what you're shooting. Yep. And there's extremes on both ends, right? You got sure. your speed freaks that are might sacrifice penetration. And then you have your extreme heavy, uh, you know, heavyweight arrow guys that are definitely going to be sacrificing speed. Um, yep. You know, and if you're, you know, if you have a super heavy arrow and you're trying to shoot at 50 yards, uh, you know, <laughs> I can almost promise you, you're going to go over the back of a cagey buck, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, there's a happy medium for everything, you know, just figuring what works for an individual, what's working for you. And once it works, don't change. Oh man. <laughs> you know, people, people, Chris, people call and they say, Hey, uh, um, I, I've killed all these giant elk and all these big bucks. And I'm just looking to try a different broadhead. I've always used X brand and I love it. And I'm like, why? Why do you want to change? I mean, if, they, if you've made those accomplishments on your setup and you're good and you're proficient, stick with it, brother. I mean, yeah. I'd love to sell you a pack of broadheads, but, um, you know, uh, and I will, but why? <laughs> right. I agree, man. I've, I'm convinced that people that are middle of the road generally are the ones that I roll with. You start okay. getting into the extreme either side of that super heavy super light i tried to go a little heavy it didn't really pan out for me mm -hmm. um it it failed and so i was like well if it if it didn't do what everybody claims it does why the hell am i doing that i'd rather have less i'm i'm a pin gap guy that's my my preaching i don't want pin gaps but at the same rate i'm not going to shoot a 360 grain arrow you know and have it explode when I hit something, you know, in the scapula or something like I did the right. other day, um, I want something, you know, really, I think if people would build a stout arrow instead of worrying about how fast it goes, whether it's slow or fast, mm -hmm. they'd, they'd probably, you know, I think there's something to be said for that. No, I agree. And a little bit better understanding of spine, you know, the stiffness of your arrow plays such a huge role and these guys that are shooting you know 450 spine arrows and wondering why they're not accurate and struggling with certain broadheads you know it's just it's again it's just a happy medium there you have to find what what does you what is the appetite of your weapon is what i like to say and it doesn't matter if it's a recurve a compound or a crossbow sure. it's got an appetite just like your 350 legend right absolutely you can buy 10 boxes of shells of different brands and only one box is going to have a clover leaf out you know what i'm talking about yep. bows are the same way you just got to figure it out yep i'm probably one of my favorites that I hear from so many people. How much your arrow weigh? Uh, it's 450, 350, three, you know, and they're reading the spine measurement. Yes. On the oh, I, get that. I get that about 20 times a day, Chris. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Let's start from the beginning here. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, that's what I think everybody should shoot target archery for that reason, or at least take a class because yeah, sure. not knowing about the spine, guys guys going i've got a buddy super awesome dude but just doesn't know never shot target never grew up around a shop or anything so you know he doesn't know until he does so he goes gets his bow out of the truck in the parking lot and pulls his regular plastic knocks out and puts lighted knocks in oh, no. and and i'm like no, 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 no. You just oh, you just man. changed the weight of the back oh, of the arrow. Yeah. You stiffened your arrow. Oh my god. Your oh, complete geez. tune is off. Everything's <sighs> different. And 
What he didn't realize is that the knocks didn't fit the string. So he drew, he dumped the mag on this one. Oh. He drew back five times and had his arrow keep falling off because a knock pinch. Oh no. I was exhausted just watching the video. It was insane. <laughs> oh, um, so <laughs> I asked him too. I was like, were you a little tired after we were like, <laughs> it was crazy to watch it and the whole time knowing like I got into attention release in 2019 because I had some target panic issues and I shot a national with it and I don't know. Have you ever shot attention release before? Yeah. I, and I, they don't suit me, but oh, man. at all. At I draw. All. So in the IBO, you're only allowed to draw your bow three times. Wow. If, if, so you get two letdowns. Yeah. That third time, if you let down, it's a zero. You wow. get it. You get a blank. So um, I drew my bow three times on more than half the targets. And I'm just like, <clears throat> just exhausted trying to set this thing off it was it was rough oh, but i man. learned a lot so, yeah i bet um well dude i'm i'm pretty pumped uh so far the heads seem to be working out um it's really cool to get to know you a little bit and we're gonna have to maybe have you back on here at the end of the season to talk about how, how everything worked and um sure. obviously see how your season went and then maybe uh playing a little spring gobbler action do you ever yeah. um, do you ever go to other states at all? PA, PA. Mm -hmm. I, I've heard PA is a pretty nice place to go. It hunting. is, it is, and they, again, they have a ton of public land that's loaded with birds. And if you're willing to walk a mile and a half, you're on your own. You won't see anybody. Oh you know, wow, it's nice. I'm gonna delete that part out of this podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna delete it. No, don't delete it, Rick. But um, I, I've been wondering about where to go and PA has been one of the states that I've wanted to hunt and I've really wanted to get out to Nebraska. Mm. Although when I was out there deer hunting, their bird population didn't seem that impressive. The last time I'd went out there, they had a bumper crop, I guess, because there were turkeys everywhere. Really? It was incredible. Now it was a little different time of year. I was out there in October, mid-October. And it was colder, so maybe maybe the, they had a food shift or something. I don't know, but um, I barely saw any turkeys out there this time around. Wow. It's amazing how they ebb and flow. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. It doesn't take much. You know, two years of bad hatches, and now you're waiting another two years, you know. Yeah. Oh, Chris, let me ask you a question. Okay. Are you a turkey shotgun hunter or a turkey bow hunter? I'm going to be honest with you and I hope you don't judge me. So, <laughs> so I'm a turkey killer. I, any way I can kill a turkey is fine, but here's what I'll say. And I hope I don't lose a friend in saying this. There are guys who sit in a blind and put decoys out and bow hunt. And then they think that they've, done something crazy that like only a select few can, but they're on private ground, sitting in a blind, dry, warm, mm -hmm. every in a chair, you know, they're not dealing with weeds and you've got a freaking thermosel. So, you know, to me, that's the equivalent of being in a shooting house in Texas for a buck, you know, uh -huh. out or something. So will I do it? Absolutely. I used a blind in Ohio this year because I was at a private spot that was flat land and that place is a damn mosquito hive. <laughs> so that's the only way I was going to control. Right. You know, my thermocell. Otherwise it basically isn't going to work. So I have no problem with it, but now you take a guy that's bow hunting. I don't care if it's trad compound, whatever, uh, outside of a blind or even with like the little, um, like the stake blinds or something mm -hmm. completely different. But honestly, I like a single shot 410 or 20 gauge with TSS yep. shot, and let's, let's put on as many miles as we can take until we strike enough birds to kill. Yeah. Find the right yeah. One. I like it too. And I, and I agree. I, I think God designed turkeys to be shot in the face with a shotgun. <laughs> oh, um, but, but the problem is I work for a broadhead company. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. um, 
you know, we do do both here. Um, it's just, you know, whatever the flavor of the day, the situation is, but sure. I hunt them out of the blinds with the bow, but I also like this year we run and we, you know, we were running and gunning for birds with the, with the bows all yeah. season and we screwed up every single hunt. Oh, I mean, sure. I, I mean, every, something happened every hunt. They would come in and bust us every single time. And so yeah. it's just part of the fun. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I would get grounded probably if I shot too many turkeys with a shotgun anymore. But I, you know, once in a while, I got to sneak one in because there is something about TSS that's just special. And Oh, dude. You know. So we have a guy on our team that loads the TSS for us. Oh. So we get it. I mean, it's pretty much half price at that that's point. That's awesome. Which makes it more affordable. He's so freaking awesome. He. He's also a bad person because I didn't buy that many guns ever. And now I buy a gun or two or whatever every year. He's like, he turned it into a damn drug. Uh, <laughs> I've bought two turkey guns in the last uh, year. Is one of them a 301? Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. You're, you're good. You're good. So I shot a bird <laughs> at 76 yards this year with nines and i am not so i've i shot them that far and farther with lead with uh xrs the long beards yeah and, and other shells and uh never thought twice about it i'm i'm not the guy that's like you gotta call them into this range or i just like to go hunt turkeys hearing gobbles is what i'm about i don't care if you use decoys yeah I don't, I don't care yeah. so um but we were struggling on that. We I got a private farm in Kentucky, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. You'd have thought you were on public land. I had an easier time on the damn public land. <laughs> so now I had a lot better caller with me, but we had this bird that was owning us all the time, and I was slipping along the edge of a, a pasture, and my buddy was on the other side, so I let out a few raspy yelps with my mouth just to let him know where I was, he was going to meet me. And I started to hide behind a cedar tree just to see how long it would take him to spot me. Well, I see his gun barrel pop up over the ridge because there's like a ridge. He's over on this side and then I'm over here. You know, we're both low. The ridge is obviously high. Well, it wasn't his gun barrel. It was a turkey head. Oh, no. And, and it's going to cross the ridge. And I'm like, man, I think that's a goblin and then <laughs> i realized it was so i'm and i've got my gun resting on my foot like the butt's on my foot and i'm just holding it there so but i'm concealed really well in the cedar tree so it worked out so i slipped my gun up and he starts to go away i don't think he saw me but for whatever reason he was just working away and i was like well it's it's now or never and i shot i heard the impact and the bird disappeared. So I haul balls uphill, breaking down the gun, throwing another one in there, breaking it up. And then when I got to the top, I cocked the hammer expecting to make a follow-up shot on a bird that, you know, cause I, I lost sight of him right away. And I'm like, are we kidding me, man? Like this stuff ain't that great. I walked up there. He's stone dead. Oh, not, wow. flopping, not flopping. Wings are cupped. Wow. Not, Oh my God, Aaron's going to freak when I tell him this. That's um, awesome. Just absolutely waylaid him. And then, so I, I killed a bird in Ohio. It was kind of a crazy year. This was the year of uh, Ohio opener. So I killed my bird like 15 or 20 minutes into the season <laughs> and was done. Um, almost pulled off killing a bird in Kentucky the same day. Wow. Uh, killed that that bird I just told you about. Turned out to be a double bearded gobbler. Oh, wonderful. 17 and a quarter inches of beard. Wow. Yeah, it was That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. And then the following week killed a gorgeous three-year-old Tom that my buddy wow. called in to me uh, on Kentucky public. So, um, and then killed that buck on opening day this year. So <laughs> yeah. Lord, bless me. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to, uh, if not Ohio, Maybe we can link up in PA or something and just yeah, that'd be fun. That'd really, be fun. Really long walk. I'm. We're gonna find out how long you like to walk. Uh, uh, it's it's. Don't, a, <laughs> don't let my fat fool you, man. 
Say, I'll tell people the same thing. I think a lot of guys, everyone's taller than me and in better shape. And they're always surprised how, how far and how fast I'll walk. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's not hot. If it's hot out, I have zero interest in. Yeah, me too. I don't operate well in heat. My buddy Josh gives me hell over that. <laughs> That's another story. So, but uh, all right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll probably release this. I would say probably uh, Thursday or Friday morning. Um, give people something to listen to when all the other podcasts haven't or have already dropped and been listened to. So maybe we'll de- develop a little bit of intelligent traffic there. All right. Um, but uh, I appreciate you coming on and want to have you back on at the end of the season if you'll have us. Yeah, whenever. Uh, we're good. I'm good whenever. I'm I'm doing a lot of podcasts. So whatever, just give me some warning and we'll make it happen. Yeah, maybe we can nerd out a little bit on the archery side of things. There you go. Yeah, whatever, whatever topic you want to deal with, it doesn't matter to me. I'm open. All right. Sounds good, brother. I'm well, open. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. I've been your host, Chris Leppert, and tonight we were uh, we were joined, excuse me, by Chris Creed from Afflictor Broadheads. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a good day. <laughs>